All right. Well, I've already said good morning. But um, I, 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 have a, I have something to share concerning fathers, forefathers. So if I'm a bit gender specific today, deal with it. But it is Father's Day. And fathers are important. So we're going to celebrate fathers. And I don't, have, I don't feel like I have anything new to say to fathers. Um, this place is absolutely filled with amazing fathers, dads, that I feel honored to just know and spend time with. But I've, I've been in many homes that are here, and I see the way that you interact with your children. And uh, it's wonderful. But I, I want to inspire... I want to try to inspire you and tell you that no matter where life takes you, if you are a father, it is the greatest assignment that you will ever get to be part of, right? To raise those children, to mold them, to direct them on a path. It's the greatest assignment that you will ever have, no matter how important you become in the world's eyes. Your greatest assignment is, is those kids. And so, um, you know, while the, the main responsibilities of a father is to protect and to provide, I thought it would be fun uh, to start. I'd, I want to try. I want to try to give you a visual illustration of one of the parts of fathering that I think is so important. So it might not work, but I want to give it a try. Isaiah, come here, buddy. All right, this right here, this right here. To hold your kids up like this, not just physically, but, but in every way, to hold your kids up high and to say, you have what it takes. You can do it. You have what it takes. I believe in you. There's a verse in the Bible that actually says that God said, I, 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 I carried you in the wilderness as a father carries his sons. You know how fathers carry their sons? Should we try it? I might not be able to do it. We'll let him have the cereal bag. That's how a father carries his sons. Right there. I never see my boys, my kids, run and try to jump on my wife's shoulders or get them to toss them up. But my kids do that to me all the time. When, when, I, when I just get down, you know, my sons, they just attack. They want to climb on me. And I think one of the main purposes of a father is to lift your kids up, to encourage them, and to tell them, you know, I want my kids, I want to put them, their starting place, to not be the same place I was. Push your kids forward. Push them higher and ahead. You want to go back to mommy? All right. I run back to mommy. Thank you, Isaiah. Use your strength to push your kids ahead, to encourage them. The Bible says that the Lord is, is um, it's in Psalm 103, is tender and full of compassion as a father is to his children. 
And sometimes we associate that with, with a mother. Well, the Bible actually says that's how a father's supposed to be to his children. My father was tender and compassionate. And the way he treated me, it, it molded something in me and created me who I am. And sometimes us fathers, we use our strength and, and, we, and we live this way where it's, come on, keep up. Can't you do it? Can't you do it? Keep up, son. Or then we just tell them, you know, you can just, just stop what you're doing. Just, just stop it. What if, we, what if we turned, I was part of homeschooling, all right, in the past little, little while. So some of this stuff is coming out of some experience, right? There's some frustration when all of a sudden you're doing things that you're not used to. But one of the things, and my wife is really good at reminding me of this, as a man, you have strength. Use your words in a way that will encourage and lift up instead of using your strength and, and dragging them along behind. Is, am I making sense to you? All right. When you push your children up, and, and I want to give a few examples, and push them ahead there begins to be some kind of generational momentum, some kind of blessing that builds. I remember when I was trying to make the decision to move to New York, I wanted to be part of the discipleship school. And my father didn't understand everything that was going on. There was questions, but I remember sitting on the side yard with my dad, and I wanted his blessing, and I said, Dad, I really want your blessing to move to New York. And he looked at me and he said, Son, I don't understand what all is going on. And I have questions. But from the day that you were born, I have prayed that my children will go further spiritually than I have. So I'm going to trust you to pursue Jesus with all your heart even though I don't understand. That's what a dad is supposed to do. I want to do the same thing for my sons, my daughters. When they're at that place, I want to lift them up, encourage them, go further than me. Don't start where I've started. I want to push you up. Go further, go further, and the momentum builds. Another way my dad encouraged me, I remember... We had just gotten engaged, and I signed a sales agreement. I had never spent any money before. And I was looking at a huge mortgage. It looked absolutely terrifying to me. And we had to rehab a house. And I remember the day that I got cold feet. I wanted to back out. I didn't think I could do it anymore. And I, I was going to back out of the decision, even though I had, you know, I had put some money down. I thought, I'm going to try to get it back. I can't do it anymore. I, I just can't do it. I called my dad to tell him about my decision. And my dad said, no, son, you can do it. You've got what it takes. I'll help you. You can make it. And it's almost as if I was, I was headed this direction when I called my dad. And when I hung up, I felt, I can do it. There's nothing that can stop me. My dad's going to help me. 
and a momentum. It was financially hugely successful for me. It was a lot of work. But if I wouldn't have had my father's influence, I probably would have backed out. Every one of us, when we're at that place where our strength is lagging, we need somebody to come and say, you've got what it takes. You can do it. And to push him on, push him forward. So last week, I don't know if you remember this, but Pastor Penn preached a sermon about Malachi 4.6 and this being a John the Baptist generation. You remember that? The Old Testament closes out with a promise. And it's this. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. So he ends out a time period with a promise that it's in my heart that families are connected, families are brought back into unity, that strong families happen. There's a period of 400 years, and the first thing the angel says when he shows up to Zechariah to say, John the Baptist is coming, first thing out of his mouth is, he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to their fathers. If that doesn't tell you that strong families are incredibly important to the heart of God, he's, he's saying the earth, the earth is going to know that there's a move of God when there's fathers turning their hearts to their children and children turning their hearts back to their fathers. The earth is going to know God is moving. Families are becoming strong. Families are coming back together. You know, um, the devil knows the strength that's created in a strong family, in a strong home. And so he will do everything he can to destroy families, to pull fathers from homes. He will do it. And if you've seen the violence that's been unleashed on America's streets in the past couple of weeks, the absence of fathers is at the very center of that very center of it. And I'm not trying to make any political statement, but I'm going to show you a quick video that demonstrates the devil will go to any length he can to destroy homes. Parent household in the black community was between 75 and the real problem, we're, we're just talking about a symptom. The real disease in the inner city communities is the fact that when I was born in 1961, the two-parent household in the black community was between 75 and 77 percent. Today, it's only 24 percent. Well, actually, I will tell you it's even deeper than that. You can read about the Great Society programs of Lyndon Baines Johnson, 1965, when he came up with a policy that said if a woman has a child out of wedlock, the government will provide her a check, no matter how many children she has out of wedlock. But there was a caveat. She cannot have a man in the home. You destroyed the black community with that simple policy because the federal government came in and replaced that which was a foundation in the black community, a strong father. 
And when you don't have the strong fathers there, not saying that a woman can't raise, you know, young men, but when you don't have that strong father there, you see a lot of the problems that we have in the inner city. It, it, it's amazing that I, I believe there, there's policies that are actually the, the devil is behind because there's a financial incentive to destroy families and you see the destruction that's happened because of it. So that the devil's one of his main priorities, destroy the home, destroy the home, destroy the home. And, and the father, the father heart of God, one of his main priorities is fathers and children, unity. It means that's, that's the testament of a move of God. That's the testament of a move of God. And there's, there's a spiritual momentum that builds. Here's my question to you. If this is a John the Baptist generation, what, what is your response? What is my response to that? You know what I think it is? I think if there's been a break in your relationship with your father, you have to make a decision today that you're going to forgive. Don't let another year go by. Don't let another week, five, ten years, and that you're carrying those emotions with you. Whatever it is, if you want to be part of this John the Baptist generation, go to your father and forgive. Make something happen. And sometimes you can't just wait for him to come to you. My mother was horribly misused and abused by her father. He was a rageaholic. And my grandpa would go into one of his fits of rage and, and he would begin to hit the children with what, whatever was in his hands. And my mother knew what it is to have to have her clothes cut off of her because her body swelled up because grandpa beat her. Do you know when she met Jesus, the first thing that she wanted to do? And I, re I remember it because she gave her heart to the Lord when I was about 10. She said, I want to talk to Grandpa. And she went to him. She didn't wait for him to come to her because he wasn't going to. And she said, I forgive you. And it started a conversation. It started something in his heart, a softening where there could be a communication again. Go to him. Forgive him. When I was studying for this right here, it became abundantly clear to me that if you don't have a father, that if either if he's died or he's abandoned you, he's left you, you are very close to the heart of God. Very close to the heart of God. Psalm 68.5 says this, His name is the Lord, a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in His holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. He leads out the prisoners with singing, 
But the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. And time and time again, the Bible would give instruction. It'd say, look out for the widow among you. Look out for the fatherless. It would say things like, when you pick your crops, don't pick them all. I want you to leave some of your crops so that the fatherless are taken care of. It would say, don't depress the fatherless. Don't depress the widow. If you do, I'll come after you. I'm their defender. It's almost as if you're going in a court of law and, and uh, you need help. And the biggest and best lawyer stands up and says, I'll take your case. I'll defend you. That's what God says he'll do for the fatherless. Because God recognized the vulnerability that wants to be exploited by the enemy when they didn't have a father in their life. And he says, I will be a father to the fatherless. James says, pure and undefiled religion is this, that you'll look out for the widow and the orphan. If you want to catch God's eye, you want to catch God's eye? Take care of one of his kids. Take care of one of his kids that don't have a dad. Do that and he'll notice. He'll see it. If you don't have a dad, you hold a special place in his heart today. And he wants to be your father. I want to be a father to the fatherless, but you have to allow him. You have to let him. I have a friend who's in here this morning who is going through a difficult time with his father and just the lack of input from his life. And one time I heard him say that he was in a worship service and uh, he's just worshiping the Lord and he heard the Lord speak to him and say, will you let me be your daddy? And it was life-changing to that young man. Life-changing. <clears throat> he is a father to the fatherless. Don't accept the lie that if you didn't have a good dad, or if your dad has abandoned you, that you're just going to be messed up. That's a lie. That's a lie. He wants to be a father to the fatherless. I had a conversation just last night with someone, and they had a, they had a negative experience with their father. But in their story, they had a close connection with God as father from a young age. And the, it just caused them to, to draw closer to God, to embrace Him closer. You know, and they're a leader in their community. Don't, don't accept the lie that says, if you don't have a dad, you're going to be messed up. It's not true. It's not true. He's a father to the fatherless. I want you to remember that. And over the past while, I had opportunity to spend time with someone who a friend a friend who as a young boy they were somewhat abandoned by their father and it, and it left them it left them just a, a period of that lost boy searching for purpose who am I do I have what it takes will someone love me 
Am I worth anything? And he spent years, years in that circle looking for purpose, looking for identity. Fathers give identity. Fathers give purpose. And they came to the place where they surrendered everything to Jesus and embraced him as their father. And I had a conversation. And he said, I can't believe how my life has changed. I can't make things happen like this. Because there was a drastic change when hope was lost, life looked impossible, nothing's going right. Embrace him as father, surrender everything to him, and life begins to fall into place like dominoes. Literally. He is a father to the fatherless, and he'll be your defender, but you have to allow him. You have to come to that place where you embrace him as such, and he'll take up your cause. <clears throat> you know, there's a, there's a YouTube channel that, that went a bit viral. It became a sensation over this whole COVID deal. And um, he only has, I checked it out, he only has 21 videos. It's only a month old. And he already has two and a quarter million subscribers. Which is unheard of. Like, that's amazing. You want to know what the name of the channel is? Dad, how do I? He's a 50-year-old man. Who didn't, have, who didn't have a father as a boy growing up, so he, lacked, he, he missed out on simple life skills. Simple life skills, how to do different things. And so now, he's a Christian. Now he just makes videos. They're very simple. He tells dad jokes. They're awkward. But he tells a simple dad joke and then says, this is how you fix a sticky toilet. This is how you do that. And people... Love him. Love him. And the comments are full of, will you be my dad? You're my dad now. Which, you can't be a dad on a screen, right? But it just shows you that the need is so great. The need is great. Which brings me to another question. Are you willing to be a spiritual dad. Are you willing to spiritually father someone? Like, all it takes is, I think, that openness of your heart that, yeah, God, you can use me. What, what's required to spiritually father someone? What's required? Unconditional love, have that. Have unconditional love, love that doesn't shut off and turn on, dependent on how people are doing. If you read Luke 15, the story of the prodigal son, that'll give you a good illustration of that. Have that. And then be willing to provide. Be willing to provide some encouragement. Be willing to provide some direction. Be willing to open up your table. 
last week in worship, I was worshiping and I felt like all of a sudden this word came to my mind, extend your tables. Extend your tables. And, and right with it, the thought came to me that there's lots of spiritual babies that are coming. And they're going to need somebody to love them. They're going to need somebody to care for them. You might have to open your hearts. You might have to open your homes. You might have to let them sit at your table. You might have to love them. Give some direction. Are you willing to be a spiritual father? <clears throat> It's just another lie that's out there that I want to make sure I cover. And that is that you can't be a good dad unless you've had a good dad. That's a lie. Run from that lie. If you embrace God as your father, and you don't have an earthly father in your life, he'll teach you. He'll teach you. I've seen some incredibly kind, loving men be fathered by their Father in heaven. You can be an amazing, amazing dad, even if you don't have a father that loved you. You can be. All right. I'm going to end here in just a minute. Um, here's, here's three gifts, right? Your kids gave you a gift this morning. Here's three gifts. I am going to give my kids this Father's Day. So this goes for where I'm at in my life with my stage and my children, okay? So these might not be applicable to your kids, but if you want to take them, you can take them. Some will apply. Three gifts I want to give to my children. This Father's Day, I want to give my kids the gift of my time. Make a commitment that I'm not going to let Things rob my time with them. When I was growing up, I heard so many people say, well, I wish if I could do it over, I would have spent more time with my kids. And I thought, why doesn't somebody just change it? Like, everybody's saying it, just make a change, right? And pastors sometimes do this thing where you put other people in front of your family and those kind of things. So I'm, a, I'm aware of that, and I'm making a commitment to give my kids the gift of my time, not allow an electronic to steal my time or electronics in their hands. Be present when I'm with them. Give them the gift of my time. This next one's a little, a little different, but see if you like it. I want to give my kids the gift of a firm no. <laughs> Sometimes I wonder if we can harm our kids psychologically by allowing them to just string us out, begging over and 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 like there's no stability, right? Dad's words don't mean anything. Mom's words don't mean anything. So I want to learn how to give my kids the gift of a firm no and put that stability in their life that when mom and dad talk, their words actually mean what they mean.
The last one, I want to give my kids the gift of independence. And what I mean by that is um, this has become a little, uh, yeah. You've, you've probably seen where people have a very difficult time making a decision. And some of that, I think, could be rooted in always having decisions made for you. And so I've even, my wife and I have started, if my, if my kids are scrapping and fighting, you know, sometimes I won't get involved. Go to your room and figure it out. Figure it out. When they ask questions, if it's not, you know, like a super important, like you could get hurt or killed question, it's like, I don't know. Figure it out. And at a young age, you're teaching their minds to problem solve. And they're coming up with solutions. And there's, there's, it's, it's amazing when people can think quickly on their feet. They can make decisions. And some of that, I think, starts young when you're taught you must problem solve. You must figure those things out. Instead of always having everything done for you, you know, you get to the restaurant, every decision's made. Um, so don't, don't take all those things. Give them the gift of independence in the future sometime, hopefully. My grand, uh, mother-in-law, she has a little something on the wall as you leave their house. And it says, give two gifts to your kids. One is roots, another is wings. And I think that is a, a wonderful illustration of what's needed. So, listen. Could I get you all to stand up? Pastor Penn, I'm going to call on you again. I, 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 want, I want you, just as the father of this house, I want you to bless the fathers. Can you do that? Spiritually bless them, but also in this prayer, if, if you're willing to open your heart to spiritually be a father to somebody, just do that in your heart and say, Lord, I'm willing. I'm willing, because if, if the spiritual babies begin coming, they're going to need you. You don't have to be in your 50s and 60s to spiritually father someone. You just have to love. You have to provide and protect. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that you've drawn us to yourself, that we could even know you, that we could even call you Father. It's an amazing thing. It's an amazing miracle. Where so many people were, had the wrong idea of you for so long. They didn't know your heart. They believed lies about you. And you just bore that reproach until you sent Jesus to show us what you're really like. Thank you for being such a father to us. And I pray for every heart, every male heart here, whether they would have a deep, abiding revelation of the Father heart of God, of your heart toward them. Open the scriptures day by day, just like you did with Nelson this week. And in the time past, that he could just pull out verse after verse. I pray that that would be our experience, that we'd be able to say, this is what the Father's like. 
Lord, I pray that you give us all a revelation of your great heart. Father, for every, every father, every dad that's in the place, Lord, we've all made mistakes. We've all would like to do things differently. I pray that this would be a new beginning. Today would mark time, that this would be a, a fresh resolve to be a dad to the children, to take time to listen. Lord, give us a new purpose, a new sense of purpose. We don't want that curse that, that Malachi talked about. We don't want our kids to live under a sense of failure or a sense of doom or they're destined for something less, something that doesn't work. Father, I'm asking, Lord, that you give every father a fresh vision for being a dad after your own heart. Lord, that there would be a great restoration of the families in America. Lord, we'd like to see political change and we'd like to see spiritual change, but what Malachi prophesied and what Gabriel brought was change for the home would change the nation. Lord, that's within our reach. It's, it's something within our power. It's something we can do beginning even today. Father, give every father vision for what they can do even this week. Thank you for everyone that's in this house. Thank you for the godly men. Thank you for the ones that are going to be dads. Thank you for the new dads that are here today. Lord, inspire our hearts to greatness, we pray. We're just so grateful for what you've done, for what you're doing, and for what you will do. Lord, every dad that feels like a, a total failure, every dad that's disappointed with his past and his past record and how he functioned, I'm asking for a fresh wind that would blow out that, those cobwebs, those old, that old thinking, that old sense of failure. Blow it out, oh God. Blow it out whether that would no longer be a, an anchor around their neck. I'm asking for a fresh opportunity for them to pastor their kids and grandkids in the name of Jesus. We thank you for Father's Day and the reminder of what's important to you. Thank you for being such a good dad to us. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.